Board Gaming with Education, a podcast for anyone curious about how games and education mix. We explore various topics like game-based learning, gamification, and board games, and the impacts they have on learning. Here's your host, Dustin Statz. Welcome back to another episode of Board Gaming with Education. Today, we have a very special episode from Scout Bloom. Scout is a university professor at Troy University in Alabama. In this episode, we dive into a few different topics about game-based learning and a little bit about game design. Scout also shares with us a little bit about her company, Mockingbird Games. It's a nonprofit that really helps support young game designers bring their board game to reality. She also talks and shares a little bit about the history of the game design major at Troy University. So if you are interested at all about how to use game-based learning, especially if you're a history teacher, she jumps into talking about this RPG pedagogy called Reacting to the Past. So if you're interested in any game-based learning as a history teacher, I want to learn a little bit about some tips she uses, or if you're curious a little bit to learn a little bit of how to teach game design and why that is an important minor to have at a university, be sure to listen into the interview. So let's get to the episode. So welcome to Board Game with Education. I'm Dustin, your host, and I'm here with Scout Bloom, a very special guest who has a lot of experience in some game design or using games in her classroom. She uses uh, reacting to the past and RPG pedagogy. She also was helpful and responsible for Face to Face, a board game launched on Kickstarter. And they're starting a, I guess, game design minor at Troy University. So Scout, would you mind introducing yourself to our listeners? Sure. Thanks so much for having me, Dustin. Um, my name is Scout Bloom. Um, Scout, by the way, is from To Kill a Mockingbird. My father fell in love with the character of the little girl um, and so told my mom that she could name me whatever she wanted to. But I've always been called Scout. So I am a um, professor of history at Troy University in Alabama. And, um, you know, I've been using games in the classroom for quite some time. And we did recently start a game design minor here at Troy, which I'm teaching in. I teach um, several games, several classes that uh, do games and history. Um, and then we also, um, I teach game development as well. And then we also have, for people who are just interested in kind of pursuing a and developing a, a game idea, we have a game design certificate as well here at Troy. So I'm involved with that as well. That's really awesome. I'm excited to kind of talk to you about the, I guess, evolution of how that got started and some of the benefits to that that minor. But before we, before we get too into uh, what you do at Troy and some things that you've done, I kind of want to hear from your end a time that you've received or you learned something through games. Well, I mean, I think that Every single time I do a play test, I learn something. And it doesn't really matter who you're play testing with. Um, you know, I find that even, you know, casual gamers to heavy gamers, everyone when they play test has something really valuable to say about a game. And um, it's just, it's pretty amazing when we play test our games that, you know, the responses that you can get and the really good ideas, you know, you, you think you've kind of thought of everything and then someone will, will come up with something to, um, you know, to add or to make the game idea better. So 
I, I really enjoy playtesting because for me, that's where I get new ideas and get feedback and, and learn about gaming a lot more, I think. That's really awesome. Do you have maybe a, an experience that you had learned something specifically through a playtest or how do you kind of decide what to take from some feedback and apply it or maybe disregard yeah, I mean, that's kind of hard with, with uh, feedback. And, you know, it's something I think that I've dealt with as a professor for a really long time because we do student evaluations of our classes every semester. And so you get feedback from the students. And so I've had a lot of experience with sort of processing that, you know, what's what's useful, what's not. If the student says, this class is too hard, you know, <laughs> what do you do with that? So, you know, I think I'm, I'm coming into game design with that kind of background where I think I've had some experience with sort of dealing with what's useful or not. I think what, what I have to think about when we're, when I'm play testing, um, games that I've designed or, or games that my students or, uh, you know, my clients have designed, you know, you, you think about how it fits in with the game and how it fits in with the designer's overall goals for the game. And you want to make sure that you, you have a, you add things or you subtract things that are keeping in keeping with that, that goal. So when we were playtesting face to face, which we'll talk about a little bit later, it's this, it's a pretty straightforward card game, but we added a, a little take that element to it, um, which I really liked because I thought that it, it, added something to it without overly increasing the complication level of the game. It kind of kept it within its theme um, and within its structure and didn't sort of burst it out of what we were, what we were trying to do with the game. So I guess you have to, you have to think about what your purpose is for the game and to kind of make sure that you stay as true to that as you can. Well, I, that's, that's, that's really awesome. I love the analogy of student evaluations and feedback from playtesters. I always like to compare uh, designing a board game to designing lesson plans and how our kind of our students are playtesters. And I like how you talk about what is the object of the game or what are you trying, what kind of experience are you trying to create for your players? And it's very similar to students. What are what are those learning outcomes that we need to we need to hit on? And are, is that feedback critical to getting there? Right. Right. And I, I think what's critical, at least it has been for me in, in my game design is, you know, keeping those, coming up with those objectives first and making sure that you stick with them, you know, and that that, that should help guide the game design process, um, you know, rather than anything else, I guess. Yeah, that's really awesome. So you mentioned a game, the, the take that, it was a card game, right? Is that the game that you had helped with the face to face or is that a different one? So um, face-to-face is the first game that my company, I started a company called Mockingbird Games, and we're in the process of moving into a nonprofit status. But Mockingbird Games is a company and we're devoted to publishing games that are designed by young people, by kids. Um, and we're also, we publish social justice kind of games, games for charity. It's sort of under the philosophy of games for good. Um, you know, trying to use games as a way to promote something positive within society. So face-to-face was our first game that we did. And um, this was, it was a game that was designed by a 12-year-old uh, when he started. And he started that in a Boy Scout merit badge 
um, class that I taught for game design. And uh, it was just a fantastic idea. And I, I was so excited by that idea and the other ideas that some of the other boys had come up with in that class that I decided to start the company. And the boy, by the way, happens to be my son, Aiden, <laughs> who agreed to be a guinea pig for the company. We have um, two other games that are in the pipeline as well. But Aiden, Aiden was kind enough to be a guinea pig so that I could go through this learning process um, first. Um, but yeah, face to face, we did a Kickstarter campaign um, about a year ago for that game. Um, and, you know, we're really lucky to get that funded. And we now have bunches of copies <laughs> in our living room and uh, in boxes. And so we are we've been starting going around to cons and selling them. And um, it's it's been a lot of fun. It's just been a really neat process. But yeah, face to face was a game by my son. And it's a part of uh, Mockingbird Games' goal to empower kids by helping them turn their ideas for games into real games. That's really cool. I like that a lot. I watched the video on the Kickstarter. And I was going to say it. The, the boy's a very charismatic, charismatic boy. So your son's very charismatic and does a good job at talking about the game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's a sweet boy. They, they had a lot of fun. You know, we had his friends over to help do... Um, the video for that, but we did play testing, you know, with a whole bunch of different groups of ages and game experiences and had a lot of really good feedback with that game. So, so it was a good experience. Awesome. So I'm wondering with uh, something like this, like a project for younger students, they're designing a board game. And of course they're learning the, maybe the practical hard game design skills, but what are some of the skills they maybe learn as a byproduct of going through a process like this? Oh, gosh. I mean, to me, game design is such an amazing teaching tool because, you know, and I've noticed this not only with the boys in the Boy Scout classes that I've been teaching for the past several years, but, you know, so younger students, but also college age kids. It really deepens critical thinking skills. It deepens problem solving skills. You know, they have to, we all know game design is iterative, right? So you have to do something and then see what the problems are and then fix it and then do it again and fix it. So they, they have this, this ability to practice those problem solving skills. In addition to that, you know, they learn about failure. And I don't mean that really in a negative way, but in a very positive way. In other words, you know, if you have a game design and something messes up, that's not the end of the world. I have so many students who are so consumed by the fear of failure that sometimes they don't even try stuff or they're so afraid of, you know, what if they get an 81 on the assignment instead of an 87 that, you know, that they just shut down. So to me, game design can help students get comfortable with failure as a part of the learning process and as a part of you know, understanding how to continue to, to iterate and to make things better. So, but, you know, the reacting to the past games teach skills. We can talk about those later, but, you know, they teach skills like empathy, um, you know, putting yourself in someone else's shoes. And a lot of role-playing games can do that too. Um, but they teach, you know, empathy, they teach good reading skills, speaking skills, you know, skills that they will need outside of education and out and in the workforce. Right. It's like the, the social emotional intelligence that I think 
that a lot of companies are pushing pushing for recently. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I agree too. I think like games and game design are very critical to learning. And you said you use games in your class, like to react into the past. Can you tell us? I when you had emailed me to let me know you use that, I wasn't familiar with this. I am familiar with using RPGs or simulations in class, but this specific uh, RPG I was not familiar with. So maybe you could explain a little bit about that. Oh, sure. Reacting to the Past is a role-playing pedagogy. Um, It was started some time ago by um, Mark Carnes, who's a historian at Barnard College uh, in New York. And um, what Reacting to the Past does is it has a historical turning point, basically, um, sort of, so the students are placed into a historical situation like the American Revolution or the French Revolution or Henry VIII trying to figure out if he's going to get rid of the Catholic Church or whatever. But they're placed into a historical situation and they're assigned roles and they're assigned roles of real people from the time period. And part of the game as well is they're given primary documents, documents from the time period to read. And then they're kind of placed in these situations. So they have to play these characters using information that the characters would have had and try to work through a historical situation. And it is just a really amazing, great pedagogy um, for, you know, for college classrooms. It has been such a help to sort of get students more engaged. They're kind of reluctant and a little scared at first because it's different and out of the box, but they they really get a lot more engaged. They, um, you know, are, are able to see the documents working and to understand something that historians try to teach all the time, but it's really, really hard that history isn't set in stone and that, you know, who shows up is important. You know, if Henry VIII is absent one day and something very important happens then the student's game might turn out really different from what actually happened. Um, so reacting to the past is just a really neat role-playing um, pedagogy that puts students into historical situations and kind of makes them act out what happens with the caveat that things can happen differently. And, and that is probably one of the most important lessons that they can learn, that, you know, the past is not set in stone or inevitable, that these debates and personalities play a big role in how, how, things, how things play out. But I've been involved with reacting for quite a while. Um, I was a member of the board for a while and love going to their, their conferences. They have amazing conferences, like three or four times, big ones, three times a year. Um, and just an amazing, supportive group of, of professors who are really excited about their students and excited about learning. So it's a great uh, community and a, and a really good pedagogy as well. That's awesome. I, I think that even for... Myself, I imagine the RPG being so involved and immersive that for me, I would learn. I would learn a lot through the history of something like this. Is it something that just is solely used in the classroom, or is it something that can be used outside of class as well? Um, yeah, it can be used outside of class. We've actually done um, some some uh, games at Gen Con, so um, and and we're going to continue to do that. We you know we had. 
playing um, game, certain games at, at Gen Con for the past couple of years. And we're going to continue to try to go to some other cons and, and do that, you know, with uh, outside of the classroom. So um, it certainly could be used outside of the classroom, but it's a good classroom tool as well. How would a teacher, if they wanted to get started with it, what, what would you recommend they do first or maybe some tips as they get started? So um, there is a uh, website. If they Google reacting to the past, there's a really good website that the group has set up that would sort of help walk them through what some of it is about. There's also a Facebook group that's called the Reacting Faculty Lounge. And we, we sort of monitor membership in that only because we don't want students on it because that might be problematic. That is an, the Facebook group is really amazing and it's very, very supportive. Um, you know, you, you have a question about something and someone within five minutes will, will help you with it. So, um, I would, I would start with the website, I think, but we also do have that, that Facebook, uh, page that's a really good resource. Awesome. Yeah. I'll definitely join that Facebook group. Oh, good. Um, so then, you also do you use any other game-based strategies in your classes, or is it mainly the reacting of the past that you apply? Um, no, I use there's a there's a group of us in reacting who in that organization who also use a bunch of board games and card games and other role-playing games. So I do use reacting, but um, I also use a lot of you know more standard board games and card games uh, in my history classes as well. You know, reacting is amazing, but sometimes it can take, you know, three to six weeks of class time. And sometimes you don't have that that amount of time, whereas you could play a board game in one class period. So I use a lot of different history games and um, history themed games to uh, illustrate certain you know, themes or concepts in history. I've used Twilight Struggle and Settlers of Catan and Dominion, um, you know, just different things when we're talking about different kinds of subjects in, in history. So yeah, I, I do not do a lot of gamification. In other words, I don't, I do games-based learning rather than having, um, having students, um, uh, you know, play games to get grades or, gaming within my um uh how the class is set up does that make sense right right so it's more your your games that you use are built into it's part of the learning of the content and not yes motivational. yes right yes so maybe do you have a favorite game that you get to do every year that's your favorite or maybe the most impactful that you think i think the favorite my favorite game is to play in the classroom is probably pandemic um i do a unit in i have a a class called history through games. And I have a unit that we talk about globalization and about how, you know, the world has been getting smaller and more connected. So we play pandemic to sort of illustrate that, uh, how, how things can spread across the globe. So I really enjoy, uh, using that game in the classroom and the kids love it. It's, you know, and it's neat because it's also, um, a cooperative game for them to all work together. There's a game called colonial, um, that's a pretty heavy Euro game. I like that one because it is kind of heavy. It's talking about sort of the um, colonization and expansion of Europe to the rest of the world. But it is it is heavy and it gives a pretty good complicated picture, uh, including slavery, in fact, about, you know, sort of what what that entailed. 
what colonization was like and how it was sometimes not good. And, and those, so it sort of picks up on some better themes than, than other games do. So Colonial is a good game for, to play as well. What I, what I tell people who are starting out is that it doesn't even really matter if the games are accurate or not. Um, you know, sometimes you have some history based games that are really, really awful. I mean, they have nothing really to do than with history other than the picture on the front or something. You know, and as a working historian, sometimes that can bother people. But, um, you know, the even a bad game, a bad history game can be a really good instruction tool because you can sort of get the kids talking about why the game designer made the choices that they did and what that means and what that means about how we remember history and how we think about history. So, um, you know, even a bad game can be a really good instruction tool. I think history history has a unique advantage where where there's a lot of historical board games. So then you also said you mentioned that you have a game design minor at Troy University. What how did that come about and maybe you can share the story of how that started? Sure. So I had been teaching this this class called History Through Games for a while and had been getting a really good response from the students um, that they wanted more classes and had been so impressed with the, you know, the level of thinking that, you know, I saw that just being a lot higher than some of our other standard lecture-based kind of classes. Um, So what I decided to do was to try to put through, try to get approved uh, the minor. So it basically just grew out of the success of that first class and students you know, having a, a favorable impression of that and wanting to continue it. And um, we just started it this August and we've, you know, had a really good response and had some some great students start to get involved. So it's it's been really uh, amazing. The, um, the minor is kind of cool too because it, um, the end product of it, once the students are done with the minor, they will have a marketable game ready to go, ready to pitch to people, ready to put on Kickstarter. Um, you know, that's their goal. They're going to have that product ready by the time they finish. Very, very practical and based in what they want to do. That's awesome. You mentioned, I kind of want to go back. You mentioned that students were very impressed with your history of games. Is that the name of the course? Yes. Why do you think that was? Why do you think they were uh, excited about that class? <laughs> Um, they got to play games. <laughs> um, you know, I think, you know, they just, they just kind of enjoyed the, 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 that it was very novel, that it was a way that, that engaged them with a topic that maybe they didn't really like or think about too much before. Um, you know, that was a different way of thinking about things and something that it sort of engaged there. And this is what, reacting to the past does too, that it sort of engages that competitive aspect and it engages that, Hey, I'm having fun here. So that it was a, a, to them seemed like a better way to learn, I guess. And then what, what kind of benefits do you see that the students, I know we talked about it a little bit from the younger students, but do you see your uh, college students gaining any other benefits out of the game design uh, minor? I do. I mean, you know, we haven't had anyone finish yet, but we've got some really strong students who are working on some cool games. Um, you know, I think that that having them have that product finished when they get done is just going to be a huge benefit because, you know, if you go into an employer, even if you're not 
going into a specifically into a games based um, uh, job. But if you can go into an employer and say, hey, look, here's a project that I started and I finished. I just think that that's a huge leg up in this day and age, you know, that employers could see, hey, this student was able to get this done and get this finished. And it's a nice professional looking product. Um, you know, I just think that that's a massive leg up for them in, in, as they, as they leave school. Um, so that to me is, is sort of a big advantage to, to the program. Oh, for sure. That's, that's really awesome. I think that having that physical tangible thing at the end, they can, they can show off is really cool. So before we head into the final segment question, do you have any, anything else to add or anything else that we can discuss? Or maybe like a final word of advice to any teacher that maybe is just getting started or some tips that you might give them? Sure. Um, You know, I I think when I was teaching the history through games class, um, you know, that was sort of one element that it was taking something that I already knew and then adding games into it. And I think that was kind of a good way to get started. So if you're teaching math or biology or whatever, um, you know, if you can start with some games in, in your own field to kind of help you get comfortable, because the jump from like teaching that kind of course, a history through games class to um, game design, I mean, actually teaching game design or teaching game development, I mean, that's a whole different avenue of learning and a whole different sort of, you know, learning curve as to what you're having to master, you know, and, and as, um, as teachers and as particularly as university professors, you know, we expect that our professors be able to do what our, we're asking our students to do. So going along with having to learn about game design and having to learn about game development, which I do, you know, in a practical way through the company too, but going along with all that, um, you know, I'm designing games so as well. So there's this added layer of stuff. So, you know, I've designed several games through um, uh, reacting to the past. I've done several role-playing games with them that are sort of in the pipeline. Um, I've been working on, um, you know, a game about uh, adopting pets, um, you know, in addition to developing these three games that are coming up through the company. So, I would recommend if you want to get into games, try to start with your sort of key area um, and let that help you get introduced. Um, but also take advantage of some of the resources that are out there. There are, you know, a whole bunch of excellent, including this one, excellent podcasts and, you know, um, uh, different videos that can help you out. And, you know, for the most part, uh, you know, the gaming community um is, is happy to sort of accept new people and, you know, have them, have them be using games in the classroom too. So uh, it's been a lot of fun and it's been a really great learning experience. I think that you hit it, hit it on the head, the taking small steps and starting small and then going from there. And I love the, I think bridging the gap between the gaming community and education. Like I, I see that a lot and it's really awesome to see more of. Most definitely. I agree. You know, that we need, and we need more, more teachers using games as well, you know, because they are good tools. Right, right. 100% agree with that. For our final segment question, if you were stuck on a deserted island, (laughs) 
and you can only bring three games, what games would you bring? I have no idea how people answer this question. That's a very <laughs> hard question. Um, so, um, I, I would probably bring Pandemic. Uh, like I mentioned, it's one of my favorite games. It's one of the games that kind of brought me into games and, and helped me see what games could do and how different games could be. Um, I really like that game. Um, Betrayal at House on Haunted Hill. And I, I hope that they will forgive me because I always butcher that name, but that is one of Aiden's and my, my son's and my favorite games. We love playing that. And I think that game is just really cool because it has a real high level of replayability and um, the storyline is fun, you know, and it's just, it's just a really neat game. And then another game that I really enjoy is a game called um, Grim Forest um, by Skybound. James Hudson was really involved in, in developing in, in, that, in, in that one. And to me, basically you're playing as uh, relatives of the three little pigs uh, and you're building these little houses. And I've, I've always been kind of fascinated with, and some of my historical research has also has centered around how the story of the three little pigs has developed over time. So to have the three little pigs in a board game is, is just really fun. But I think that game to me is it's beautiful. It's easy to pick up and play there's, you know, a lot of different options to play, um, and it's just a, a really neat, cool game. So I guess so. Pandemic, Betrayal, Grim Forest. There are lots of others out there, though. One I really enjoy using in class uh, is Detective in, in history class. Um, it is uh, the the one that's the modern crime board game, or um, but that's an amazing game to use in class because it's extremely open-ended and it forces students to, you're basically a detective trying to figure out something that has happened uh, in these different cases that you're given. And they have to gather evidence, but then also figure out what's going on. And to me, it's just, it's an amazing thing to use in a classroom to get them thinking. Right. That's awesome. I think uh, I used um, Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. Ah, yeah, as a as a way to gamify my course for English language learners. So, on top of just like the critical thinking, problem solving skills, collaboration, they were also using their language skills of reading and comprehension. Oh, excellent! Yeah, that's very cool. Awesome. Well, before we go, do you have any way that our listeners can reach out to you, or anything that you're working on that you want to let them know about? Well, um, so Mockingbird Games, we have face to face. Um, but we've got uh, another game that we'll probably be doing a GoFundMe account with pretty soon. And that's called Center Stage. It's a storytelling game uh, set in the theater. And you kind of get these three random things that you have to make a story about. Um, and that one was designed by a 15-year-old uh, named Michael Pritchard. Uh, he was 15 then. Um, but, and then we have another game coming behind that um, by a young man named Alejandro uh, Bettler, and that's about dogs in a dog park. So stay tuned for games from uh, Mockingbird Games. Our website is www.mockingbird-games.com. And if anyone wants to email me or talk, particularly about reacting to the past, I'm, you know, or games in the classroom, 
my email is uh, scoutbloom, S-C-O-U-T-B-L-U-M at gmail.com. I would love to talk to others if they if they want to reach out. Awesome. Well, Scout, thank you so much. I know I learned a lot from this episode and chatting with you, and I know our listeners likely did too. Oh, well, thank Um, you, Justin. I really appreciate uh, you having me on. Thank you for listening in this week. If you like what you heard, be sure to let us know. You can find us on social media as Board Gaming with Education or BGE Games, or email us at podcast at boardgamingwitheducation.com. If you want to support our podcast, be sure to check out our support page on our website. As always, teach better, learn more, and most importantly, play more. Thank you for listening, and until next time.